A binge-worthy show about Jesus? The Chosen Season 3 is here. Come and see what the buzz is about. The Chosen explores the imperfect and messy relationships of real humans following Jesus. The first six episodes are available now. Stream each new episode for free. Plus, watch exclusive content like The After Show, only in the new Chosen app. Download The Chosen app on mobile and TV streaming devices. Visit BingeJesus.com to learn more. Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Tool Shed. This is episode 72 of the Fantrax Tool Shed with Clayton Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have another fun episode in store today as we begin our Dynasty and Prospect Rankings episodes. Woo! And with me, as always, my 80-grade co-host, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, what's going on, man? It's ranking season. I'm so excited. Good stuff, man. And I'm hoping that this will be a good exercise for us. Like, I hope that as we walk through these, I'll, like, keep refining. I, I refine my rankings every day. So, like, as we talk, I hope this will be a good open conversation. I hope that we'll have some good debates on some guys, and I hope that my opinion might be changed on some players. So, yeah, it's going to be fun. We're starting and looking at dynasty and prospects in the same episode. So, that's going to be a good time. It definitely is. And, yeah, I'm, I'm the same way, always tinkering always trying to improve my process and update and my rankings and whatnot. So that's a great reason why you should be a Patreon member of ours in our 70 grade tier, because we're always updating our live rankings on there. That 70 grade tier gives you access to those live rankings 24, seven, 365. You don't have to wait for us to post on fantraxhq.com. You can see them whenever you want to and see them as we update them. So that's a great little perk there. This is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, as Chris said, we're going to be doing our uh, kind of a combo here. We'll do dynasty rankings and discussion in the first part of the show. And then after the break, we'll hop over into the, our prospect rankings. I have some discussion there. And then we will do our redraft episodes. Once we get done this series, then we'll hop into our redraft, you know, 2022 previews there. So it's going to be a lot of fun. But before we get into this show, the usual housekeeping, you can find us on Twitter. Chris is at RotoClay. I am at EricCross04. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy our podcast, please rate and review. Check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash toolshed for extra content from both of us and those live rankings. And, of course, check out all the other great written and audio work we have on the Fantrax HQ network, including our other podcasts, SB Streamer, Fantasy Hockey Life, Fantasy Football Addicts, Define Fantasy Football, and Fantasy Football POV. Let's get right into the show. It's going to be a fun one. We've really been looking forward to getting these rankings underway. Let's start on the Dynasty side of things. 
Uh, we'll start with our top 10, our personal top 10. We're not doing consensus this time. I figured it'd be a lot more fun just to do our personal ranking, see where we differ on, have some good discussion because of it. Chris, uh, who are your top 10? All right, yeah, I've got uh, Sean Murphy starting at 10, which, you know, I sit here like, as I've looked at these, I was looking at these tonight, I'm like, you know, I really don't love these. And it's like I love the catching prospects way more than the, the MLB <laughs> yes. guys. Same, same here. Yeah, so I've got Murphy at 10. I've got Soderstrom at 9. Yasmani Grandal at 8. I have Francisco Alvarez at 7. Gabriel Moreno at 6. Wilson Contreras at 5. JT Real Muto at 4. Will Smith at 3. Sal Perez at 2. And Adley Rutschman at number 1. I have a slightly different top 10 here. A lot of similar names, but a few different and obviously a different order here as well. You know, starting with, you mentioned Sean Murphy. I can't get on board with Sean Murphy. Like, he's a great real life catcher. You know, his defense, with a great arm. He's going to be back there for a while, but I just can't. I just don't think he's ever going to hit for average. I've just, I've just never been a Sean Murphy guy. I don't know why. I'd love to have him on my team, you know, major league team, but. Fantasy, I don't think I have any shares of Murphy. I don't think I ever have. I've never got him redraft, dynasty. Uh, it's never been a Murphy guy. But uh, for me at 10, I have Joey Bart. And really the back end of my top 10 is the beginning of a massive cluster. Like I was saying, actually my number uh, number six here, number six through like 17 are all like 60, 70 spots apart on my total overall ranking. So kind of a cluster here. It was some veterans, a lot of, a lot of prospects as well. Uh, so, yeah, Joey Bart at 10, Alejandro Kirk at 9, Wilson Contreras 8, Kibir Ruiz 7, Yasmani Grandal 6, Dalton Varsho 5, JT Remuto 4, Salvador Perez number 3, Will Smith 2, and Adley Rushman number 1. So we agree. We have the exact same. Top. You, you had Remuto, Perez, Smith, Rushman in that order as well, right? Yes, I did. Yep. So, yeah, same top. Who is your number five? Oh, Wilson Contreras. Wilson Contreras. Um, yes, yeah, so same top four. Then we start differing there. Uh, where, do, where do you have the top four? Where do you have these guys in your overall, Chris? Uh, let me see. Let me pull it back up. While you do, I have uh, Rio Muto's at 100. Obviously, this is going to change before I post it yeah. on site. But uh, right now, Rio Muto's at 100 on the dot. Sal Perez, 90. Will Smith, 84. And Richmond, 67. Oh, yes. I have Real Muto. Did you say you have Real Muto at 100 on the dot? Do you have them there as well? <laughs> I swear I have 100 on the dot. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's strange. Will Smith at 89. You don't have him at 89, do you? I have 84. <laughs> okay. Yep. I have Sal Perez at 84 and Adley at 81. So they're all pretty close. Okay. Yeah. So all in that kind of the back third of the top 100 range. Then there, there's a gap. So for tier purposes, this is tier one. Absolutely. And I don't think there's really any debate right now. I think there is a little bit of debate because I, I put some polls out from our Twitter account at Fantrax Toolshed. Uh, I did two polls. I kind of linked them together asking who is number one catcher for Dynasty Leagues and Average Leagues and again in OBP Leagues. Uh, for Average, the it went uh, Richmond at 41.9%, Will Smith 31.7%, Sal Perez 15.3%, and Rio Muto 11.2%. And then for OBP, Smith jumped to number one at 41.8%. Richmond, 35.8%. Sal Perez, 12.6%. Riamuto, 9.8%. So clear cut in terms of, you know, the voters, top two there with Smith and Richmond. Do you think, you know, your rankings are geared for, for OBP? And obviously, Adley Richmond is going to be OBP monster there as well. But do you think there's that legit case for Will Smith to be taken number one in OBP leagues if you're at like a dynasty startup craft right now? I mean, I guess it's possible, but 
I don't know. I mean, I just I still fear with Smith the Dodgers being the Dodgers. Yeah. And they've got some some good catchers coming up. I don't know he got 501 plate appearances last year, which was good. Yeah, he had a 365 OBP, which was obviously pretty impressive. And 2020 he had a 401 OBP. So yeah, yeah, I feel like he's going to settle in somewhere above 350, which I think is pretty solid. But I, I just feel like Adley is going to play more, and he's going to provide higher OBP. So that's kind of where I'm leaning. I still lean Adley number one there, and honestly, I could probably have the argument to move Smith ahead of Sal Perez just from an age standpoint. I love Sal and I think that he probably peaked last year. You know, it's going to be impossible from the top, but from an OBP standpoint, we know that Sal doesn't walk very much and Smith does. So I could probably be convinced to change that a little bit and move up Sal or move up Will over Sal. And honestly, like Yasmani Grandal's OBP beast. I really need to, to move him up as well. I think I need to, you had him at six in average. I need to bump him up above Wilson Contreras, who I have at five. So that's probably a move that I need to make. Yeah, I don't know. Grandal has been one that I've really struggled on ranking just in general. He's 33, so I think he's still got a, a few more good years left in him. He's in, a, he's in a great lineup. They like to bat him higher than they probably should. But, well, his OBP skills kind of warrant it, too. But that's just such a good lineup around him. So I, I think you know, all the average isn't going to be great. I think he's better version of like Mike Zanino. Uh, he's got similar power, better OBP skills. Um, but yeah, go back to Sal Perez, though. Like, how dare you, Chris? Sal Perez had a career high 28 walks this year. How dare you say he doesn't walk much? 28 walks, 28 and was career high, 65 plate appearances. <laughs> Previous career high, which he did twice, was 22 back in uh, 2014 and 2016. His- Coming off uh, a couple 17 walk years mixed in there, 12 walks. Uh, yeah, it's not good. What's, what's that 28 in the 665? That's uh, that's 4. still under five percent. 4.2. 4.2. Okay, his career is 3.6. <laughs> yeah, and at least like before this year, he wasn't a big strikeout guy. The strikeouts went up this year, uh, career high 170 Ks, which was a lot more. His previous career was 119, so a bit more aggressive, but obviously, you can't really, you know. Have, have any issue with that when it came with 48 home runs and 121 RBI, both of which led the American League, uh, giving him a seventh place MVP finish as well. Yeah, I, I love Will Smith. I've always been a big Will Smith guy. Uh, I, I had a lot of fun. I wrote him up, I think it was last offseason. Uh, I had a lot of fun with that. I love the profile. Uh, he kind of overperformed the metrics a little bit. Uh, he was about 12 points over his XBA. 31 over, uh, excuse me, 29 over his slug, but, you know, still has had a 10% or higher barrel rate in all three years. Hard hit rate has been over 44% each of the last two years. Walks at a good clip, keeps the strikeouts in check. So I, I think what we've seen from Will Smith is I think what he's going to be. I think he's going to be, you know, 25 home runs, you know, solid average, pretty good OBP. But yet, yeah, even though he does have a little more value in OBP formats than average formats, in my opinion, Adley is just a monster in both. Like right now, Will Smith is about he's a 260-ish hitter. OBP would be like 370-ish, give or take. But Adley could literally be a 400 plus OBP type. Like he's a 300 caliber hitter with the high walk rate. And plus, like you mentioned, how the Dodgers kind of limit Smith a little bit just because of the, the Dodgers. I don't think Baltimore's going to do that. We were talking about before he came on. Adley, I think Adley's going to play a lot. I think he'll get 120 plus games of catcher. Maybe some at DH. Maybe they give him a little bit of time at first base. Who knows? But I think his bat will be in the lineup 140 to 150 times a year, which is more than most catchers do. So 
And that Baltimore lineup and is actually not too at least at the top where he'll be hitting. Uh, that top like five or so is actually pretty solid and on the up and up. And Camden Yards is obviously a great hitter's park. So yeah, all uh, all signs all signs are pointing up here for Adley Rushman. He's definitely number one for me, no question about it. Uh, do you think you know JT Rimuto was fourth in both of those polls, and he was kind of like that number one for a while, like the last yeah you know, what three four years at least. JT Rimuto was number one by a pretty solid margin most years. Now he seems to be undervalued. Like, yeah, he had a you know a slightly down year. The average has been slowly trickling down. Uh, but last year was still pretty solid. 134 games, 537 play appearances, 263, 343, 439. Uh, that 343 OBP was uh, tied for the second highest of his career. Uh, as tied for the highest if you take out 2020, because that was his highest at 349. He had 17 home runs, 13 steals, 73 RBI. 64 runs so it wasn't like it was a terrible year it was still pretty solid he went had the most stolen bases of his career but obviously we can't count on 13 steals annually from Miyabuto but do you think he's a bit undervalued now Chris yeah it's possible and I think you could probably get him more affordably in a dynasty league because it's all about dynasty leagues are all about perception and so there's the perception here that his value has dropped he's he's not even 31 yet he'll be 31 just before the season so I think he's fine. Like, I'm not worried about it, especially if you're on a win-now team. Like, he's going to provide value. He still provides plenty of plate appearances. I think that it's a prime time to buy him, actually. And you mentioned the the walk rate trending in the right direction as OBP has been trending up. The average has been trending down. But you look at it, and you just have to wonder, I mean, can he get back to the contact levels? It's certainly possible. His contact rates have trended down pretty consistently uh, throughout – like the last several years, but I do think he can possibly see that trend back upward. I don't know. It's an interesting profile. I do think that he gets plenty of reps. I think he's capable of even playing some first base if they need. So he's going to get his reps if the, and here's the thing about the national league catchers. And I assume that the NL is going to get the DH. That means these guys are going to be catching so much or playing so much more because you know, now Real Muto can catch 110 games and still be in the lineup for 145, you know. So that's going to be a benefit to him, in my opinion. So, yeah, I'm, I'm buying Real Muto. I think there's – I think he jumps back to the 20 home run season. Also, he can steal bases, which no one else does, and he's probably a lock to give you a 265 or better average and a decent OBP. So, yeah, I'm on board. Yeah, as am I. Like I said, yeah, he might – this year's might be behind him, but at this point – I think he's a, a good buy because everyone's kind of been moving on to the other off. Sal Perez's breakout and Rushman coming up and Smith coming up as well. So, yeah, I think it's a good time to uh, maybe try to do a little buy low offer on Rio Mutos. I think he's still got a few more years of, you know, being in this number one tier where he drops off as he gets into his mid 30s. And, you know, he's going to be hitting right around Bryce Harper. So that's not a, a bad spot to be. Uh, moving on here, a little bit, let's talk a little Dalton Varshow here. He's a very, interesting uh, catcher. He's still a catcher as of now. He still played, I think it was 33 games there last year. He probably will be starting in the outfield and out for Arizona. And that's probably where his like long-term home is. But I think there's a chance we could see Varsho. Yeah. While he will be mostly an outfielder, I can see him still getting sometimes like the backup to Carson Kelly enough so that he still retains eligibility, you know, year in year, at least for the next few years. So, um, actually, he had 41 games. Sorry, 41 
games at catcher last year, 37 starts, and then 49 in the outfield, 36 starts. He actually started one more game at catcher than outfield. So uh, do you see Varsho retaining eligibility, at least for the next few years, Chris? And how high do you think he can climb? Like right now, for, for me, he's number five. I think he's got that 2010 potential with a, a solid average, solid OBP as well. He's always hit for high averages, solid OBPs in, in the minor leagues. Do you think he can, he can get up into that top tier with the guys we just discussed? Yeah, I definitely think he can. I actually realized that Varsho did not – I did not read Varsho in my rankings, and it's because when I did my search on my spreadsheet, he didn't pop up because he has dual eligibility. I highlighted all the catchers. So ah, yeah. I failed on that one pretty bad. So, yeah, I was just looking. I was like, wait, Varsho, I don't, he's not on here. But, yeah, there, there's no doubt in my mind that – honestly, I think Varsho's already worthy of being a top-five dynasty catcher. He's more than capable of producing, and we saw him continue to be a – Really, really solid player. Um, I'm a fan of Varsho. He's going to play consistently, and he can easily retain this eligibility for the long term. I think he's going to catch just enough. And, you know, we saw it, like you mentioned, he he was just above the amount he played outfield. Carson Kelly's not like an elite catcher, so no one's really blocking him. So, yeah, I'm all about him getting this eligibility, keeping it, and playing enough because he's going to be able to catch, play outfield, and even DH some. So he's so versatile, it really, really helps. Uh, absolutely, yeah. I, I'm a big Dalton Varsho guy. Like I said he could, he doesn't stand out in any one area, but he can add the you know the speed element that not many catchers can. Like he could be a ten to twelve steal guy. Annually, he's got solid power. Just so, like I said, solid hit tool, solid OBP. It's a really solid overall player. I can't use that word enough with Dalton Varsho. Uh, and yeah, he'll get to play, assuming they let him actually start, you know, full time between outfield and, and behind the plate. He'll get more plate appearances than most catchers. So that'll help his counting stats go up. The Arizona lineup isn't the greatest, but it's not terrible either. Um, it's okay. So uh, I don't think that's going to be an issue there. And he'll probably, you know, he'll probably hit a little lower, sixth or seventh, probably to start. But I can see him moving up. Like this, he could be a number two hitter long term. I can see him kind of moving into that spot, but yeah. we'll see. He's a perfect in that spot, in my opinion. Well, absolutely. So you can get a, get on base, put the ball in play, a little bit of speed, some pop. Yeah, I think I think he's really uh, tailor made for that spot as well. Now, Chris, with with your rankings focusing on OBP formats compared to average formats, who are a few catchers do you think get a nice boost in OBP formats? Like, obviously, I think the big one has to be Yasmani Grandal. Yeah, Grandal's the biggest. I mean, you see his. His OBP gap from his average is absolutely insane. So he's obviously the biggest one. Honestly, Alejandro Kirk is an interesting one. He gets on base a high clip, but he also hits for a high average. We mentioned Will Smith. Um, one who I think could be a big one this year is Tyler Stevenson, yep. who's kind of under the radar. Um, I think Stevenson can and will hit for average, but also he gets on base at a pretty high clip. So he's an intriguing one. Uh, Omar Navias and Wilson Contreras are a couple as well. So all those get a little bump there. And honestly, like Grandall just really doesn't get the respect that he deserves, in my opinion. Like he's still getting it done. He had a crappy first half last year. He's one if you're a win now team that you should have because he's he's going to get the job done, especially in OVP type league where he doesn't drain your batting average. Oh, absolutely does. And he, you know, people look at you know second half of last year, and it was like, all right, Soto and Harper, or it's like absolutely mashing. He was like right behind them. You look at like Woba yeah. and, and like WRC plus and all those metrics. 
Grandal was third or fourth in a lot of those. Uh, I think he, he got. I think people realized he had a good second half, but I don't think they realized how good. Yeah, how I mean, he, great he the hit, second half he had. He hit three thirty seven in the second half, and he's not even an average hitter. <laughs> <laughs> how did he? Do, what was his first half? It, had been, it was like what one one forty probably, if I had to guess. Well, one eighty eight. <laughs> that's that is a so that's a hundred and forty nine point swing. Yeah, that's from first half to second half. That's, that's kind of ridiculous. Nuts. Yeah. How do you how do you even do that? How do you go from hitting under two hundred to well over three hundred? Uh, that's I don't know. That's kind of nuts to me. But I mean, he he gets the job done. I mean, his OBP was still three eighty eight in the first half. His first half OBP was two hundred points higher than his batting average. He he walked at a twenty four point four percent rate in the first half. Struck out twenty six percent. Second half twenty point nine percent walk rate, fourteen percent strikeout rate. <laughs> That is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, yep. so he's definitely under. I think everyone that looks at the average and kind of like, yeah, that they don't like it because it's not great, obviously. But yeah, I don't think he's a you know a high average hitter, even though he did in the second half. But he's obviously not what he did in the first half either. There's that middle ground there. He'll find it. He's in the middle. Like I said, he's in the middle of a very good White Sox lineup, so that'll keep his counting stats high as well. Great pop could be a you know get over 30 home runs any given year. So. Yeah, Grundahl definitely is one. Any uh, off the top of your head, any big ones that stand up going the other way, though, that lose value in OBP formats? Hmm. Um, let me pull up my list and see. Uh, I mean, Sal Perez a little bit, but yeah, he's, I mean, he's still great regardless. Right, that's the biggest thing with him is he's he's so elite. Maybe, maybe like a Joey, matter. I think Joey Bart probably could be one. He's, yeah, from, we, we oh, haven't seen the walk rates from him that we, we saw at Georgia Tech. No, I mean, he's... He's going to be like a Sal Perez Walker, it seems like, where he's just he's yeah, not going to provide. He'll be he'll be like five six percent tops, like yeah, which is kind of scary. I, I just don't think he's as valuable as people think he is, to be honest. Yeah, he's de- he's definitely lost some luster from when he was the you know, number two overall pick, top. Well, I think I saw him some top twenty five, top thirty lists at some point. Yeah, he's definitely lost some some shine from that point. In time. Yeah, so Bart's honestly like Bart with the emergence of all these catching prospects, like. Bart's not even one that's like really on my radar anymore because there's so much talent. And it's like, eh, here's Joey Bart who has some power, but that's really kind of it. And I know that that's not what people want to hear, but that's kind of the reality is that there's so many people that have passed him at this point. And maybe it's created a buy low opportunity, but I don't even think he's going to be the everyday guy in San Francisco this year. Like I, I really see the giants bringing in someone to bridge the gap. Think so. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me. And I mean, Patrick Bailey's better behind the plate and he's he looming too. So maybe Bart's third, you know, the NL is getting a DH eventually. It's it's not a matter of if, it's when. So I think, you know, whether that's this year, 2023, whatever, um, I think it's going to be this year personally, but maybe Bart's third DH long term. And um, I still think he can get some, you know, he'll keep catching. I don't think he'll be like strictly a DH, but I think he, there's a chance he's like, Zunino with slightly less home runs and slightly higher average. You know, yeah, it's not bad. I mean, t- take so away you... five home runs, add 20, 30 points on average, like a 250, 25 type. I think he, I still, I still like the pot. I think I'm higher than most on Bart at this point, even though I have moved him down my rankings a decent amount. But I think there's still like, if he can play like a starter's workload, get like 120, 130 games in, 500 plus weight appearances, I think there's still a chance for like 20, you know, mid 20s home runs. Yeah, no, I think that's totally fair. I think, yeah, I mean, I think he's a 25 home run bat that hits 240. Yeah, I, I think that that's fair. And OBP probably isn't going to be more than, what, 320 at the most? Maybe even, 
I don't, I don't know if he's a, he dips down in the 200s, but he, he might. I mean, Sal Perez yeah. does some years. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. So it wouldn't surprise if he hits 240, he's not going to eclipse a 300 OBP. I feel pretty confident about that. Yeah. If he goes down there average wise, yeah, I agree. I, I think I, I'm a little more optimistic on the air. Maybe 250. I don't, I don't I think 260 is probably a ceiling at this point, but. I think his quality of contact should still be pretty solid. So it might keep the average a little higher than it should, but yeah, I um, think so. That's yeah, fair. I think 2022 is going to be a very telling year for Bart though. Yeah. Well, one I way mean, or the other, I think it's going to be right. So I was looking at another, another one. I don't even know if Jorge Alfaro is even relevant anymore. Like is he gonna... I, I was thinking, I was thinking him too. I though He's not even in my top 25. He's not... No. I mean, is he going to play in San Diego? I, I don't really know. That's, I don't know. They said, they still have, you know, there's, there's a catcher log jam that they still have Caratini. They still have Austin Nola and uh, Luis Campuzano too. Well, that tells you what you need to know about Luis Campuzano and how they value him, I think. Yeah, same. <laughs> that that tells me they're pretty much out on him. And obviously, Nola was kind of fluky for a little bit. His, I mean, I don't see that. And Caratini's just uh, Darvish's he's just, catcher. That's really it. He's just there. He's, yeah. he's, he's just depth at this point. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, that that you know, I know we'll get to the prospect second half of the show, but yeah, uh, Campisano's been kind of sliding consistently down my rankings, and every time I post the update, I get at least one comment, like whether it's my overall rankings or like if I just post like my top catcher prospects, people are like, oh, why why are you so low on, on Campisano? I'm like, well, San Diego looks like they're low on Campisano, so well, there's I mean, also he, so many he's factors so solid, going, though. Yeah, and but he's also got the legal factors going against him where he's been in trouble in the past. It's like right. he has all these things, and it's like you know. On top of him being kind of buried on the depth chart, like that's also a negative, the off the field stuff. And, you know, that's been a while. So maybe, maybe that comes back. Like maybe he comes back fine from that. But I don't know. I just, he, he doesn't seem like someone that's really that relevant. I mean, he is relevant, but there's so many guys that have passed him. Yep. 100% agree. Uh, let's move on uh, further down our rankings here. Let's go 11 through 25. For me, at uh, 11, I have Tyler Soderstrom, Gabriel Moreno, 12, Francisco Alvarez, 13, Henry Davis, 14, MJ Melendez, 15. We're getting into the prospects here. Uh, 16 through 20, Austin Wells, Tyler Stevenson, Sean Murphy, Gary Sanchez, God, 19th now, uh, and mm-hmm. Christian Vasquez at 20. 21 through 25, Mike Zanino, Harry Ford, Diego Cartea, Mitch Garver, and Cal Raleigh. Who are 11 through 25 for you, Chris? All right, so I have... Uh, actually, Sean Murphy's eleven because you know that was messed uh, up and move move our show back. Where, yeah, where, yeah, where yeah. do you have where do you have our show? I have him right. at six, which okay, there. Yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah, and then so I have Murphy, Kirk, Henry Davis, Kibe Ruiz, Omar Narvaez, Tyler Stevenson, Austin Wells, MJ Melendez, Gary Sanchez, Carson Kelly, Joey Bart, Travis Diarno, Mitch Garver, which I don't even want to have Mitch Garver. You know, <laughs> I don't either. Out. Yeah. Mike Zanino. I don't really like him in there either. Harry <laughs> Ford, James McCann, Christian Vasquez. I just want all my dynasty catch rankings to be prospects. Like that's so much better. I know. And I feel like half of this list is prospects. Yeah. It Probably really around is. There. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think, I think yeah, Diego Cartea is my lowest prospect here. And I know, and I know he's uh, no, actually, I think he's yeah, my 10th rank. So, okay. So 40% of my top 25 here. Uh, is catching prospect. And I, I have Omar Navaez, 26 here. I'm probably too low. I probably should bump up to Omar Navaez, but he's just so bland to me. He's decent enough, but yeah, he just gets the job done. That's really he, it. He does. Yeah, he, he really does. Um, some, let's say this range is a lot of prospect. You seem to be a bit lower on like Heber Ruiz, but you have Henry Davis a bit higher. 
Um, I have. Did you say Harry Ford in yours, Chris? I did. Yep. Where do you have Harry Ford? Twenty-three, which is probably too low. I really like Harry Ford. I I have him at twenty-two, but it's just so much depth. I could probably bump him. I might bump him further up. Yes, I love Harry Ford. We'll we'll get into him a little later. Um, Yeah, I could see bumping him ahead of like Christian Vasquez and Gary Sanchez and guys like that. But then we get up near the all the like prospect cluster that I have, who are all just as talented and you know more developed than he is. So uh, I probably won't put him ahead of Stevenson. Is my number seventeen. I won't move him ahead there, but I can see him moving him up to 18. Even yeah. even ahead of Sean Murphy, who again, I'm just I don't know. I just don't. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Murphy. Murphy I feel like Murphy needs to take a dip for me. I don't know. I just not you're right. There's he's more intriguing in real life, I think. I'm just not sure he'll ever provide for on the fantasy side like we want him to. He'll be like a poor man Zunino, like similar average but less home runs. Like he's that's fair. So he's, he's worthless. I have Zunino at 22. <laughs> so I mean Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, the only thing on Murphy's side is like age. And was Murphy really that good? Other than like he was good for a tiny little bit as a prospect, but maybe right. we're still maybe I'm still just overvaluing him way too much. Yeah, I think everyone's kind of been waiting for both him and Chapman to break out. And Chapman had that one year, but Murphy hasn't even had that. Like his average uh, was two forty five, uh, only twenty games in his rookie year, twenty nineteen. And that excuse me, and then two thirty three last year in in twenty twenty in forty three games. I can't keep calling 2020 last year. Uh, and then 216 last year in 2021 uh, with 17 home runs and 119 games. Now, walk rate is okay. Got, got the OBP up over 300, but I don't see much here. And, he, and he's showing less and less power every year as well. I think he can be a you know 15 to 20 homer guy, but you know I don't see that average. Like career 222 through his first 182 games. That's probably what he is, right around 220. 15 to 20 home runs a year. And you can find a lot more than that, whether you're, you know, going for, you know, one of the young up upside guys we've talked about, or you're just kind of streaming whoever's hot, you know, week to week of that position, which some people do, which is a viable strategy at this position. But yeah, I don't see Murphy really having any value moving forward. Like why, why, why go after him? There's so many other upside guys or streamers you can go after. Yeah. That, that's uh, not a bad option. He's going to move down my rankings. Yeah, and I mean, he's he's near Gary Sanchez. That should tell you all you need to know about Trevor right. Murphy for me. He's one ahead of Gary Sanchez, who I, at this point, are, I think everyone's 100% out on Gary Sanchez. I think the Yankees are almost 100% out on Gary Sanchez, and they have a lot of good catching prospects coming up anyway, so uh, I wouldn't be surprised me if he's just not even a starter. But I think he gets dealt. I don't know. Yeah, you think there's like any like maybe a change of scenery and maybe he can rejuvenate a little bit of value or I think you just done on him. Um, I don't know. He's twenty nine. He's still young ish. Maybe a change of scenery actually helps him. Like I think that would actually be the best thing for him. But yeah, the pressure in Yankee Stadium may just be too much. Like the Yankees fan, Yankees fans are like relentless. So, oh, they are absolutely. Um, yeah. but you look at his savant page, and it's still like barrel rate for his career is 14.6 percent. That's very good. That was yeah. three a couple years, it was up over 17 percent, 2019, 2020. Hard hit rate has been over 41 percent each of the last six years. Uh, key rate, which you know came back down this year to 27.5, which is kind of in line with his career numbers at 26.5. Walk rate, career, 10 point, uh, should be 10% on the dot, 11.8 last year. So you look at some of the under-the-hood metrics here, and you'd think he's better than he, he was, to be honest with you. You know, the XBA has always been low, but quality of quantum metrics is still pretty solid. So 
Right. And that, you know, 23 home runs last year, 440 plate appearances. So yeah, maybe I wouldn't be surprised if he could be Mike Zanino, like just low average, but still hit 30 home runs a year. Once he gets out of Yankee stadium, uh, if he lands in the, in the good spot, good hitters park uh, for right-handed power. So yeah, I, I could see some, a, a nice resurgence. I won't say nice, but a resurgence to a, a degree for Sanchez, but I, what would that put? I'm still not in the, you know, starting catcher discussion for one cat catcher leagues he's probably still never gonna be more than a high-end c2 yeah not with these these prospects on the way so much talent yeah absolutely yeah there's there's just so much talent here uh we're gonna get into that we're gonna take a quick break here go back on, on the other side and get into our prospects we'll be right back MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? All right, welcome back from the break. Let's get into some prospects here, Chris. There's a so much good talent at this position. Let's get right to our rankings for prospects only here. Who is your top 10? All right, so from a prospect standpoint, I've got Diego Cartaya at 10. I've got Joey Bart at 9. I've got Harry Ford, 8. MJ Melendez, 7. Austin Wells, 6. The top five being Henry Davis, Tyler Soderstrom, Francisco Alvarez, Gabriel Moreno, and Adley Rushman. Oh, geez. I thought we were going to have the same exact top 10 because my <laughs> 10 through five is the exact same. <laughs> From 10 to five, Cartea, Bart, Ford, Melendez, Wells, Davis. And then I have Alvarez, four, Moreno, three, Soderstrom, two. Well, I'm, I'm higher on Soderstrom than most. I get that. I love Soderstrom. He might move out from behind the plate, but he's another one that I think could be like, you know, first base primarily, but still kind of like backs up Sean Murphy. We'll see um, him at two and then alone by himself, Adley Rushman in a tier by himself, obviously. Um, yeah, so much talent here. Like we, we've already talked about Rushman. So let's get into that kind of that second tier, uh, you know, the Soderstrom, Moreno, Alvarez, Davis tier, you know, Moreno had himself an absolutely banner year. I saw Moreno. He got, you know, his season was cut short. He had injury, so he didn't play much. But I got some time in in the Arizona Fall League and performed well there uh, as well. But overall, this season for Double A New Hampshire, uh, and a little bit, he had three games in a Triple A as well. But overall, only played thirty seven games, but slash three sixty seven, four thirty four, six twenty six, ten doubles, eight home runs in thirty seven games. Uh, walk rate little under ten percent. Kept a K rate in check. Only. 25 strikeouts and 159 plate appearances. Overall, he's had 191 games in the minors, 308 average, 358 OBP, 499 slug, 24 home runs. I think that power's coming. You know, I think I've said it on more than you know one time that he I think he can be like 90 to 95 percent of Adley Brushman. Not you know, maybe a little less average, you know, a little more so on the power side. I think it's he can, he can be very comparable in the in the average department, but not quite. The same OBP he doesn't walk as much as Rushman, but um, doesn't have quite the same power. But 
I think he could be a 280 plus hitter with that flirts with 20 home runs annually. So a very, very good overall hitter. Yeah. The swing is interesting. And I wonder, I love Moreno. Don't get me wrong, but I just wonder if he gets exploited a little more with big league pitching. He has a weird hitch, but he makes it work. His timing has to be impeccable with what he does. So yeah, I don't know. He's, he's interesting. I think he could easily be, you know, a Adley light, but I wonder if his hit tools closer to average or above average. I'll be curious to see. I just like to see him against like big league talent and see if he gets exploited with like off speed and breaking pitches more. But with that being said, I'm a huge fan. I've got him as my second catching prospect for a reason. He's dominant. I don't know. I love the profile. I, I'm buying in right now. I think he's better than advertised. I think some some people are still behind him and don't realize how good he is and yeah. the fact that he could be up soon. Like they're they've been playing him at third base to get him ready. So yeah, this uh it's a good profile. I'm intrigued. Very good profile. Yeah, I saw uh not Adley, uh Moreno a couple times this year. Um when they came came up here to Portland and yeah, he was yeah, as advertised and then some just so pitchers didn't fool him very often at all. I definitely, you know, I, I have Soderstrom ranked two and him three, but I could easily flip flop that. I think he has the higher floor. I think he has the second highest floor out of any catching prospect, even ahead of Soderstrom, ahead of Francisco Alvarez, who we'll talk about here in a second. But yeah, high ceiling, high floor, going to be in a great hitter's park, great lineup around him, even though he'll probably just do all the talent in that lineup. He'll probably be the bottom third of the order. But yeah, definitely one of the, you know, most exciting catching prospects I've ever seen uh, live for sure. Uh, let's move on to Francisco Alvarez, though. I know you've been a huge Alvarez guy for a while, rightfully so. Uh, are you worried at all? Like, he d- did struggle a bit. He was kind of a weird season for him after he just absolutely dominated low A, 417 average in 15 games. Got the bump up to high A, Brooklyn. Still hit for a ton of average, uh, ton of power, excuse me. 22 home runs in 84 games. Had a 291 ISO, 538 slug. You know, didn't really have you know any issues there, but. The average dropped to 247. Were you at all kind of concerned with that average drop? Um, not really, just because he's so young. And I think that, honestly, it's probably a good thing for him to struggle. Like, with prospects, you don't want to see him just con- – and, you know, take this with a grain of salt. I say you don't want to see him continue to dominate. But sometimes struggles can be okay. With And, like, in the case of a young catcher like, like Alvarez, like, I don't consider it a bad thing. I mean, his contact was still solid uh, overall, the profile – was still really good. We still saw a ton of power from him, as you mentioned. So I'm not overly concerned, and I do think that he'll be fine in the long run. So, yeah, I'm a huge fan, been a fan. I think that, honestly, Alvarez has a little better hit tool than than Moreno, which is could be interesting to see how those pan out. They're, they're both going to be fun to watch for a long time. I, I, I feel that for sure. Yes, as do I. I actually – I think – Moreno, I, I kind of differ a little bit. I think Moreno will hit for the slightly higher. It's going to be close. Like I'm not saying to be a huge gap, but I can see a little more average out of Moreno. At the same time, you know, I think this would be um, slightly higher OBP for Alvarez. For Alvarez, yeah. he walks a bit more, and I think he's at more raw power. I think while Moreno will probably settle in, you know, 20 home runs, give or take. Maybe he gets up near 25 at peak, maybe down in the teens at some point, but. I think Alvarez could be a annual, kind of a 25, mid-20s annually guy, maybe, you know, pushing 30 at peak. 
Uh, and, and with his, you know, de- good defense as well, like he's going to be an all-star caliber catcher. I think he's going to make many all-star game appearances uh, in, in Queens. And that's going to be a good lineup around him too in, in Queens, you know, with all they've built. And yeah, he, w- he won't be up this year, probably 2023 ETA. They've kind of been you know, not pushing him, which is probably the, a good idea. But uh, yeah, he's one that's I'm, I'm going to be very intrigued to see uh, next year when he gets up in the double A. Uh, probably he could probably see. Pro, I bet he does start at double A after 84 games in high A. I won't be surprised, kind of like similar to what Toronto did with Moreno, starting him at double A this year at a young age. I think he was 20 this year. Alvarez will be 20 next at start of next season. So he's gonna be one of my favorite guys to get, get some live looks on uh, next year. Uh, so moving on here, a couple of guys a little bit further down the rankings. Austin Wells, how excited are you about Austin Wells? Because I've said before. As a fantasy, you know, player, analyst, whatever, I, I love the landing spot. I love the profile in Yankee Stadium. He even surprised and had 16 steals this year as well. Didn't expect that, but I don't think that's going to continue. But I think the hit tool is going to be at least average, 260-plus, 20 to 25 home runs, maybe even a little bit more if he stays at Yankee Stadium with that short right-hand, you know, right-field porch. I'm, I'm very much in on Austin Wells, and I think just like judging on – where he's gone in like mock drafts and kind of rankings I've seen. He's one that you can get for a fairly reasonable price given the talent he has, I think. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he, he struggled at the start of the AFL too, and then finally turned it on and was, was really, really good. So yeah, yeah he's uh he's one that won't get the love that he deserves because there's so many other flashy catchers, but yeah, this, uh this bat profiles well in Yankee stadium Good, good left-handed power. Um, I think the hit tool is very solid as well and also walks at a high clip. So he's the type of profile that you like to see, and he'll he'll play in both average and OBP formats. So yeah. Wells is probably lower than he really deserves. And, like, you know, we both have Soderstrom higher, but, like, at the end of the day, you know, what's really separating the two? It's a good question. It's not a big difference. And th- these are the things that get you thinking too. Like when you see like two guys, with similar profiles that are ranked, you know, not so similarly. Why is that? So yeah, that's, that's a good thing. I think there's a slightly higher hit tool with Soderstrom, but it's not a big gap. At, you know, I think he'll, he'll get some more, more, uh, you know, plate appearances in as well. So I think like I said, I'll probably move over to first base primarily, but that's about it. Like the profiles are pretty similar overall. Yeah, I think so. And, and Soderstrom, and I wonder if his value is like maybe at his peak right now. Like he's he's top twenty five on a lot of lists. He he came off a season where at nineteen years old he hit three oh six on a three ninety OBP in low A. I mean he still had twelve home runs. The the biggest concern with me is just hitting the ball on the ground a little too much. And so I think I mean that can be corrected. But again, like I don't see a ton that separates him from Wells. And so from that standpoint, like. Why do I have Soderstrom like 25 spots higher? I don't really know, but it's something to think about and examine. It's a good question. And I also don't really trust Oakland that much developing no. any prospect lately. Like I, I think Soderstrom, I don't think I'm not like worried about Soderstrom, but you see a lot of the top hitting prospects for Oakland and how they just haven't produced and haven't developed, especially at, you know, in terms of at, at the plate with their approach. Like we saw Lazaro Armenteros have a terrible approach. Austin Beck was Austin once like a top Beck. five guy. Now he can't even make contact anymore, swinging at everything. So, yeah, and the pitching side of things has been a little better, but not much yet. Oakland's is not one of my favorite orgs uh, in terms of player development. So 
didn't didn't love the landing spot for Soderstrom, but I think I love the talent. Yes, I think he's a 280 type of hitter, 25 home runs. So uh, whether that's a first or catcher, we'll see. But he'll be a standout regardless. Could be a top 10 player at either position in time. Yeah, does so. he does he lose value if he moves off catcher and moves to first? I I think a little bit because while I think he'll be fine there, like I said, I think there's a good profile overall, but. Yeah, he doesn't have the huge power. Like, I don't think he's like an annual 30 plus guy. I think more like 25 uh, yeah. is going to be his kind of, you know, range mid 20s or so. so. Yeah, I think he'll be good, but like maybe, you know, yeah, back in like with first base, obviously it's not quite as deep as it used to be. So that'll get you back in top 10. But I think he could be a guy that pushes like top five, maybe not gets in the top five, but maybe he's like the sixth, seventh, eighth best catcher type of guy. Uh, so yeah, I think he does lose a little bit of value, but I think I think he'll be fine regardless. But yeah, yeah, I think who, so too. Who knows with Oakwood and they're selling up everybody. So who knows what the team even looks like in a few years when Soderstrom comes up to the major? He's still uh, at least two years away. I'd say maybe late twenty twenty three ETA, maybe early twenty twenty four. We'll see how Oakland if they push him or not. But uh, yeah, definitely love Soderstrom. A little bit further down, the guy that had a breakout year after a terrible twenty nineteen, which is. Basically, what you can say about a lot of the top Kansas City Royals prospects, that's MJ Melendez, who just went absolutely bonkers as I'm, my computer freezes here. Um, <laughs> base, my, my computer does not like baseball reference. It always runs – like my computer runs great everywhere else, but baseball reference, I don't, it doesn't like for some odd reason. I'm not sure. Uh, but in 2021, 123 games, 531 play appearances for MJ Melendez between AA and AAA. Hit three, uh, should be 288, 386, 625 with 41 home runs, 75 walks, 115 strikeouts, and a 337 ISO. This after a 163, 260, 311 slash line in 2019. I will pause for a second while you go get a barf bag after reading that mm-hmm. line. Um, where are you, Adam Melendez? Are you, you know, obviously he's not 2019 bad. And I don't think he's twenty twenty one good. But you think there's still a you know a, a solid future for Melendez when he's like a you know maybe a 250, 20 plus home run guy, or you think right now is a good time to sell high? Um, I do think it's a good time to sell high just because of the fact that we have uh, Sal Perez in there, and you know Sal Perez obviously can move around, he could DH, but then you think Sal could play first, but look who they have at first base, and they've got Nick Prado on the way. They have Vinny Pasquantino on the way. They still have enough room for all these players. So, I don't know. With Melendez, I think his dynasty value might be peaked. I mean, did he lead the minor leagues in home runs or tied? I believe it was, yeah, it was at least tied. Yeah, that's what I thought. So, I mean, I thought he was right there. So, yeah, I mean, I don't really expect him to perform at that level. I'm selling high because I just think he's values at peak and because I just fear that he's log jammed there and not really have anywhere to play, so – I think you can get a good return for him, and his value might not be higher. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree there. I would sell high if I had him, which I don't. I have him in any dynasty leagues, unfortunately. But you know, one thing that I am intrigued by is the fact that he cut the K rate down. It was 21.7% this past year after I get ready for this, 39.4% in 2019. And it was even pretty bad in 2018. It's not quite as bad, but 30.3% there. And again, over 30% in 2017 as well. So cutting it down to the low 20s, if he can stay down even just below 25%, I think he, I think he'll play at least as like a high-end C2. But 
Uh, and Jesse, once Perez gets older and older, I think they'll move him more of a DH. But yeah, as of right now, there's no clear spot, especially like you mentioned with, with Prado and Vinny Pasquantino, a.k.a. Italian Breakfast, as uh, Jeff Ponce of Baseball America <laughs> called him, uh, which is a great nickname. I love that. One of my favorites. Um, so yes, yeah, so I just, yeah, I don't know where he fits. You know, he's played a little bit of third as well, but I don't know if, if they view him as their long term third baseman or if that was just like a, hey, let's see if this works kind of thing. We'll see, but yeah, I would highly recommend selling high if you do. But moving on to a guy that I would definitely be buying all the shares. I want all the Harry Ford shares. I know most of you haven't had your FYPD uh, drafts yet. And if you haven't, make sure you go check out our episode we did with Chris Welsh uh, about a month ago. It was right before Thanksgiving. Uh, we did an FYPD mock. And I think we all loved Harry Ford there. Uh, how excited are you for Harry Ford? Because he's another guy that uh, could move off of the position. Maybe he's, you know, takes the Dalton Varsho route, moves out to the outfield. We'll see. Seattle hasn't really kind of indicated that route yet, but the power's there, the speed's there. You know, it was a small sample size, but a trio of home runs and steals in 19 games last year after the draft. So, you know, potential for above average to plus power and, and speed, solid hit tool. Man, I am just all in on Harry Ford right now. Yeah, and he has a swagger about him too that he you does, can't really yeah. coach. So like he has that edge that, you know, and sometimes guys just play at a different level. And I feel like Ford's one of those players that does that. You know, in yeah. high school, watched him just pimp some home runs where he just spanks them out of the park and just kind of watches them, has the bat flip. So he has the swagger, and I think that all that gives him a little edge there. Um, they speak very highly of him in Seattle. Jerry Depoto quoted and said that he was a potential six hit six power, six speed type, and he could even be a seven hit. Like they obviously think a lot of him. That's high praise for sure. But, you know, the scouts obviously liked what they saw. I, I like what I see. Ford's one that could easily move up a ton with a good season. I think he's more than capable of doing that. I 100% agree. And it kind of makes me think like everyone kind of talked about how the 2021 class wasn't quite as talented, but there are so many names I like to see like at the top of this FYPD. Yeah, it might not have the elite star power of 2022. Like I think right now, not to get off topic here, but I was kind of looking at my looking at my 2022 FYPD rankings earlier in my top three. I think I would have over Marcelo Mayer right now. That being Elijah Green, Drew Jones, and Chase DeLotter. But yeah, this is you know once you get into that you know that second tier, you know guys. Like Benny Montgomery, Colton Cowser, Harry Ford, Jackson Job, these types, just very, very talented players in there. And yeah, Ford, even just that 19 games just showed how talented this kid is. Hit 291, 13.8% walk rate, 291 ISO, added seven doubles as well. Yeah, this kid is going to be an absolute stud. So I think now is the only time you're going to get him at any type of like reasonable cost in Dynasty Leagues. Because I think once he gets his first full season in next year, and people really see how good this kid is, I think the price tag's going to sky. This could be a – would you be surprised, Chris, if we're having this discussion again next year and he's like top three catching prospect and like top 25 overall? Would no, you be surprised? I, mean, I wouldn't. He's got that upside, so there's no doubt that that's a possibility. He's definitely capable of that, and I think that you have to get him right now on FYPD before the value sells. So I'd take him like as high as six or seven. And you mentioned that that's a a tier of players in the FYPD that you could have any of them at the top of the tier. This this draft lacks like the true elite high end guy, and 
honestly, I'm, I might have Marcelo Meyer like sixth in next year's class, just how talented it is. Yeah, but, it's possible, yeah. Yeah, but th- there's just that tier where you can get any of these guys, and you can probably get a good value on Ford because I don't think the, the market's really called up. They're going to still be going for these other flashy dudes, and I think Ford's value is right there. Yeah, I, I got to give a quick. Sorry, I was looking at my Twitter. I got to give a quick shout out to my buddy Jake. Uh, they're doing, you know, like those posts when teams will be like, "What's who's the first person you think of when you see this logo?" And it's like a throwback logo for that team. My Portland Sea Dogs just did that with our old logo from like 10, 15 <laughs> years ago, and, and Jake Devro tagged me. And th- thanks, buddy. I really <laughs> appreciate that. Uh, all right, let's move on uh, down our rankings a little bit. Let's go eleven through twenty-five here, and then we'll talk some players in this range. Uh, for me. At 11, Dylan Dingler, Shea Langoliers, 12, Drew Romo, 13, Joe Mack, 14, Luis Campuzano, who we discussed earlier, at 15, 16 through 20, Patrick Bailey, Jefferson Cuero, Cooper Hummel, Ivan Herrera, and Sam Huff, who has huge power, but nothing much else. 21 through 25, inter- interesting mix here. You got some young up-and-coming guys, a uh, guy that I'm lower on the most, and then a breakout from this year. That breakout was Logan Ohoppy. Ohop or Ohoppy? Have we figured out how we say that, Chris? I'm almost certain it's Ohoppy. It is. So you need to pronounce the E. Okay, I wasn't sure if the E was silent. Um, so Logan Ohoppy, 21. Miguel Amaya, who I'm lower on the most, 22. Corey Lee of the Astros, 23. Antonio Gomez, a, a young, enticing, catchy prospect with the... Yankees 24, and then Andy Rodriguez 25, and Gomez is the last catcher in my top 400 overall. Chris, who's 11-25 for you? All right, so starting at 11, I got Heriberto Hernandez, Shea Langoliers, Luis Camposano, Jefferson Cuero, Patrick Bailey, Dylan Dingler, Ivan Herrera, Andy Rodriguez, Cal Raleigh, Antonio Gomez, Logan O'Hoppy, Corey Lee, Brian Lavastida, Miguel Amaya and Yanir Diaz rounding it out at 25. I like Labastida too. He he was uh 27th for me. Um I, I totally took Heriberto off a of catcher. I yeah. I, I probably could have left the tag on, but this, I I took off the tag. I have him as outfield only at this point. If I put him in here, I actually he would have been slightly higher. He would have been uh, in my top ten. He would have been right ahead of Diego Cortea and right behind Joey Bart. And I, I didn't include Cal Raleigh. I thought Cal Raleigh graduated, but maybe I'm wrong on that. I got to take a look and maybe add him back. I, I do like Cal Raleigh a good amount, too. He'd probably be uh, right right near, like, I think right near Shea Lane Clear. So I think he's got a similar offensive profile. Yeah, he might have graduated. I need to, need to check that for he, sure. He was in that – there's, like, that gray area now because how they kind of have shifted uh, um, eligibility and whatnot. Yeah. So he, he's like – there's, like, a handful of prospects that are kind of in that gray area. Kibia Ruiz was one. Uh, there was a, a pitcher that people kept harping on me on in my rankings as to why I didn't include him. Forgetting his name off the top of my head, but yeah, there was there was several in that Nate gray Pearson. area. Uh, it was someone else, but yeah, he he yeah. is in that as well. Um, uh, Josiah, I think Josiah Gray, I can't remember, but yeah. um, anyway, a lot of intriguing names here. We already talked about Campizano and our thoughts on him. Uh, any here, Chris, that really stand out as guys that you know maybe in this range that you think could jump up and maybe maybe get up near top one hundred overall, or just any that you really, really like to break out twenty twenty two. Uh, a couple of names I just like, uh, Yanir Diaz. He's highly underrated in the Astros system. He's incredible hit, great field to hit. I, I really think that he's going to pop next year and be one that's this opens people's eyes. I think that you, he's worth nothing right now, so you can get him pretty affordably. And I'd definitely be doing that because I think that he's a really good player. And 
you know, he's not even in my 400 right now, but yeah, he's, I'm all over him. Dylan Dingler. I mean, he didn't have a great year, but I certainly think he could pop. He's got the bat. He's got the the skills also behind the plate where I think that he's more than capable to just really take that step forward. Indy Rodriguez is another one. And Shea Langoliers, you know, while, while Langoliers is definitely a glove first guy, the bat's really developing. So Langoliers could also take a next step forward and, and easily jump in the top 100 overall. Speaking of Langoliers, how, how do you think that catcher situation kind of pans out there? It's, it's kind of a crowded spot. Do you, do you think he eventually takes the reins? And, you know, obviously the DH would, would help, but do you think he's their long-term catcher? Oh, yeah, pretty easily. I mean, uh, they've got DRNO around for two more years, and they've got Manny Pena for two years, but I think Pena is so cheap in his second year like that they can cut him and it won't be a big deal. Uh, and DRNO, I don't think Langoliers is ready. Like, he's going to spend the full year in AAA, and then I think, He's kind of they're grooming him to take over that role. So in 2023, he probably splits time with DRNO, and DRNO's injured so much that you know he he may not even be on the field. I'm not really worried about William Contreras to be honest. Like I think Langoliers is is just that much better. So he'll he'll be the one that gets the job. I think. Yeah, that's that's why I think maybe Contreras kind of moves into that backup role. He's got a solid bat, but yeah, not nearly the defensive caliber catcher that's. Uh, Shay Langoliers is and Langoliers too has made some improvements. Like he was kind of thought of as defense most, you know, defense first, and the bat was way behind, and it's still behind, but definitely made some improvements this past year at the plate to the point where I think he could be like a 250, 260 hitter, you know, pushing 20 home runs too. So maybe not maybe not a starting catcher, or, but maybe a, a solid number two catcher in, in two catcher format. So yeah, definitely like Shay Langoliers, very, very high floor on that defense will carry him and give him a longer leash than most to work out any kinks he might have uh, offensively at the major league level. Uh, for me, one that I like a decent amount, and I think I'm higher on the most, Joe Mack uh, was drafted 31st overall by the Miami Marlins this past year. I think there's a really good feel for hitting there. I think he's an above average hitter. I don't know if I go plus, but I think he could just be a high average type. Power, he doesn't have great power, but I think there's definitely some room to fill out a little bit more. Uh, not, not a ton. He's already not maxed out, but he's he's not skinny by any means. But I think he could fill out a little more, add a little more strength and pop. Maybe be like a 15 to 18 homer guy with a solid average. So he's one that you can get pretty cheap, you know, later on in your FYPD, like after, you know, top 40. He's probably going to go like in the 40 to 50 range, maybe a little higher, but uh, 35 to 50 range in most FYPDs. I have him a little higher than that. But yeah, he's definitely one I like. Uh, Logan O'Hop, O'Hoppy. I, th- I think it's definitely legit. We saw him out in the Arizona Fall League. He was one of the more impressive hitters out there that I don't, I don't think it's the recognition he deserves uh, for what he did out there. So I'm definitely buying into him as well. Uh, another one, Sam, where, where are you at? I was looking right at Ohapi. One above him in my rankings is Sam Huff. Where are you at on Huff, Chris? Like, obviously the power is there. Like, full season of the bats, he could be 30 home run guy. I 100% believe that, but... I just don't know if he hits for enough average, and I, that might limit his power. But where, where are you at on Sam Huff? I don't think Huff's ever a fantasy-relevant catcher, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, he's got massive raw power, but that's honestly it. So, I mean, that that's not going to play. I don't I don't see him being a, a everyday catcher. I don't even think he's a part-time catcher because I, he may be, but the bat's just not – he's just not going to be fantasy-relevant because the bat. If, I don't if, think. If batting practice was a category, he would be. But yeah, that's true. Yeah, 
I, yeah, I don't think yeah, I'm I'm there with you. I just don't think. And people were I had a few people kind of up in arms that I didn't have him you know, higher. I, he's not even in my top 400 right now, but uh, that I didn't have him higher in my my catcher prospect rankings article that I put out a few days back. And yeah, I just like I said, the power is great. You, he can hit some tanks. Like, I, was he the one that hit like that? Um, I don't know if it was a confirmed, but like a 505 foot blast. Was that was that Sam Huff? That sounds right, but yeah, I think I that know. was Sam Huff, but. But yeah, I don't. I don't even think he can hit like two ten. I don't. You know, he just struggles. There's so much swing and miss to his game, so much chase to his game. Yeah, I'm not in on Sam Huff anymore. Uh, another name here that I kind of like, Jefferson Cuero, uh, Milwaukee Brewers. Doesn't really stand out uh, anywhere offensively, but he's really a solid defender, more advanced than mo- most 19 year old catchers you see. Um, but so I think there's a chance for a solid hit tool. You know, 15 or so home runs this year. Uh, pretty decent debut slash 309, 434, 500 uh, in rookie ball in 23 games. Had eight extra base hits, two home runs, more walks than Ks, added a few steals as well. So I, I think this, this does a little bit of everything well. So I think he could be at one that really kind of surprises people, to be honest with you. And he's one that you can get for pretty cheap right now um, that I would definitely be looking to acquire here. Um, but I think that might wrap us up. Anything else you wanted to add, Chris, before we get out of here? No, it's a, it's a fun list. It's definitely getting better. The position for fantasy will not be shallow much longer. I think all these prospects are going to be really solid. I think Adley's up this year. I think he makes a huge impact. It's going to be exciting. There's a lot of talent coming up for sure. There is. There's so much talent. It's it's really, really exciting. I had a lot of fun writing up that article a few days ago. So check that out. Uh, check out both of our updated prospect rankings we put out on Fantrax HQ over the last couple of weeks. Uh, to see where these guys fall in our overall. Uh, and then, yeah, that's going to wrap us up for this one. Thanks to everyone for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. We will get on first base next week. That'll be out on Monday. And then second base will be out on Thursday. A couple more fun positions as we hammer through these dynasty prospect rankings positions. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Aircross04. Chris is at RotoClegg. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. And check out all of our written work at Fantrax HQ or over on our Patreon. And join us again next time for more fantasy baseball talk. But until then, everyone take care. fans. It's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? Montgomery County, Maryland is where businesses go to be next. Home to a highly skilled, diverse workforce, a thriving business community, competitive incentives, and more. MoCo will help transform your business. Visit bnext.thinkmoco.com to see how we can help you be next.